Welcome back to the Radio Bible Course. We're continuing our study of Paul's insistence that the Thessalonian Christians in their preaching work for a living. Now, this is an unpopular subject. You won't hear it discussed in church or Sunday school, rarely, if ever, and often without the facts. There, of course, is prejudice by some men who are in ministry, and they can't very well look at this objectively because it would undermine their own source of livelihood. But the Bible does have something very specific to say about what the pattern in the early church was in regard to those who wanted to serve Christ. Paul brings it out here in our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 11 and 12, where he tells the Thessalonians to work with your own hands as we charged you so that you may command the respect of outsiders and be dependent on nobody. Now, in yesterday's program, we discussed this, and we pointed out that in chapter 1, Paul told them how he came, he and his companions, and what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Paul is reminding them that when he first came there, preaching without charge, they received the word, they believed it, and they began going out and telling others about the gospel. They became an example throughout those two great provinces of what we know today as Greece. But in chapter 2, Beginning with verse 5, he said, For we never used either words of flattery, as you know, or a cloak for greed, as God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. So here he is reminding them that he, as an apostle, a specially chosen apostle, had certain rights, but even he did not take advantage of those rights. To which rights is he referring? Well, specifically one. And it's brought out in 1 Corinthians 9.14 that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But we need to ask, shouldn't everyone preach the gospel? Yes, you do it when you talk to your neighbors or members of your family, relatives or just acquaintances, when you tell them about what Jesus Christ has done, then you are preaching the gospel. Paul here was not talking about a special class of people that would be established to preach the gospel. He and his fellow apostles were a special class, and they had a right to preach the gospel and live by that gospel. But the Bible never talks about a clergy class in the church such as we have today. Furthermore, the apostles were sent as missionaries with no one to depend upon except God himself. It was intended that divine provision would sustain them. And God, of course, worked through his people. And that's made clear by the passage when Jesus sent out the twelve in Matthew chapter 10 to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He specifically told them, not to take any gold or silver in their belts, 
that they were to be dependent upon God as they went. People would open their homes to them and feed them, and they would not have to go house to house trying to sustain themselves. Now, how does the New Testament use the words, preach the gospel? It never refers to revival meetings or church meetings of believers, but always in proclaiming the good news to the lost, to those who haven't heard it, whether it's in a synagogue or in a marketplace. Now, we want preachers to preach the gospel, and we often say that ought to be done in church. Well, the church meeting is supposed to be a place for the gathering of Christians who are to be built up in the faith so they can go out and preach the gospel. And this is brought out very clearly in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, how Christ ascended on high and gave gifts unto man. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? That comes in the next verse. For the equipment or equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Now, that's a powerful passage, and it's interesting. The very passage we're dealing with in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is 11 and 12, and the passage in Ephesians is chapter 4, 11 and 12. That, of course, is a coincidence. But it tells us here in Ephesians to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness in deceitful wiles. So the gifts that Christ gave to the church was for the specific purpose of building up the Christians so they would have the ministry. The gifted men were not to be professional ministers. They were to be equippers of the saints who would be in ministry. As I said yesterday, the Bible never established a clergy class and a laity class with the layman supporting the clergy. Now, that idea is totally foreign to the New Testament. That's an invention of religion. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. A church, if it wants to hire somebody, better pay that person. But to give him the ministry exclusively is not in accord with what the Bible teaches. The establishment of a clergy class has done that. It has taken the ministry away from the people where it belongs and given it to select men. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, there's a great danger in it, first of all, because if one man or two men or just a handful of men have a ministry in the church and they are the leaders and they are the ones who are most learned, what happens when they go astray and leave the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ and pervert the gospel of grace? Well, then they lead all the people into that path of error, 
and the whole church then is deprived of the truth. God never intended that his truth would be put in the hands of a few. The epistles were written to churches primarily, not to individuals. God wanted his truth in the hands of his people, not in the hands of a priestly class who would do the interpretation of his truth to the people. So thank God for the laymen over the centuries who have studied the Bible, who have taught Bible classes, who have started churches, and who have done most of the work of evangelism in our communities. I am a Christian today because of the work of laymen. There were young people, even though they did not know much about the Bible, they reached out to me with the gospel. They invited me to their meetings so I could hear more of the gospel. Laymen have always been in ministry, but in the Thessalonian case, some of them seem to have gotten away from it. Now keep in mind, preaching the gospel is missionary work. It's missionary work of evangelism. And if a person is a real missionary in a place where he can't possibly support himself, he of course needs assistance. The biblical evangelist is a missionary in its truest sense. They moved about the countryside, preaching the gospel, making plain what God had already done through Jesus Christ. Some of them may have become teachers, and some of them may have become elders in churches in that first century. But if they became elders of churches, that did not give them the right to expect to be supported by the people of the church. I say that because Paul is very specific about warning the elders about doing that. Returning from a missionary journey, Paul stopped off at Miletus, which is not far from Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. They came, and he talked to them, and that's recorded in Acts chapter 20. And he said, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with the blood of his own Son. I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from you, among your own selves, will men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by so toiling, one must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, what would those elders have understood by that instruction? Well, we're supposed to live like Paul lived. He worked. He toiled night and day. He didn't take anything from anybody. He didn't want to be a burden on us. And he's telling us that we ought to work for a living just like he did so that we would be able to give and to help the poor and the weak and be an example to them. Exactly. And yet these were the leaders of the church at Ephesus. 
these were the pastor elders. They were the ones who were to teach or feed the flock. He tells them that in verse 28. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over, the which, over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Clearly, they were the shepherds of the flock there at Ephesus. They were to care for the flock and to do it without charge as Paul did it. Keep in mind that the early church multiplied at an astonishing rate. All the believers recognized that they were in the priesthood, the priesthood of believers, and they carried the gospel. And nobody ordained them, and nobody paid them. I thank God for what I have heard in recent years about some Episcopal priests and other church leaders today who are called tent makers. They have caught this vision of supporting themselves in order to serve Christ and to do it without charge. They go, they get a job after being well-trained so they can serve effectively and get others to serve effectively after their example. They accurately reflect Paul's teachings here. And now, allow me to say a word about how you can learn more of God's Word. As you know, on these programs, usually we teach the Bible verse by verse. We call that expository teaching. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the most effective way to make the Word of God known to people. But in addition to these programs, you can get tapes of these broadcasts also. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.